Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Product Led Podcast. Today, I have a very special guest. Uh, she is the CEO of Softer. And Miriam has a ton of incredible experience. They actually just went from zero to 45,000 users in the last 12 months, which is bonkers when you think about that many users uh, for such an early stage startup. So they have clearly got some amazing stories and strategies and tactics to tell you about uh, user acquisition. But before we dig into that, I wanted to just take a step back and hear a little bit more from Miriam about what initially drove her to start Softer.io uh, because I always like hearing the juicy story at the beginning. <laughs> oh, uh, let's let's hear it from you. Yeah, hey, hey, Wes. thank you so much for the invite. Really excited to be here. So I'm Miriam, uh, the founder and CEO of Softer, so mom of two daughters, and I love all things product and design. And I'm actually an engineer and entrepreneur, so I've been doing lots of technology prior to really diving into product and design. And yeah, so the journey really started like several years ago when I essentially myself and my co-founder independently worked in, in tech. We built lots of products, essentially software products, and really saw too much repetition in every other software we built. We just built the same things over and over, and it was not just boring, but also at the same time, waste of effort, right? So we kept building same things like authentication, payments, etc., over and over. And then at one point, well, I left my corporate job and uh, got retired of bureaucracy and all of that and just wanted to really build something on my own and launch for customers. And then that's how I started exploring different ideas and really thought of like both of us team independently, thought of why not have a platform where all of this repetition will be given, essentially built out for you and given you as building blocks. And then you just assemble them together and build what's unique to your business only. And that's how we kind of started software in the first place. It did evolve quite a bit after that because we originally started uh, thinking we're going to be building a platform that lets you do anything and uh, lets you build any type of app, which then turned out also to be extremely difficult and unnecessary to some point as well. And then we kind of dived into a bit more details and then focused around using Airtable as a backend to let anyone without tech or design background to build custom apps powered essentially by their data at the moment Airtable and then in the future going into other databases as well. And then also like probably one of the main reasons as well where we really decided to focus softer on what it is today is we also started building our websites and lots of other like tools. And we realized there's all these different tools in the market which are for building static websites like Vix, Squarespace, which are great, but then you only build static sites with those. And then on the other hand, there were tools like Bubble, Webflow at the time, which was just two years ago. And at the same time, they were extremely, while they were powerful in their own categories, they were extremely difficult and technical to use as well. So we even, myself being a technical person, I also have a hard time to use those platforms. And we really wanted to build a platform that's extremely simple, easy to use, yet powerful at the same time. So an ordinary person, like someone in the business, like sales, marketing, customer success, can just pick it up without having to go through the learning curve, spending months on learning the platform, just quickly building something right out of the box. Um, no, I love that, especially the vision too of like what you're building up to is like, hey, like let us worry about the building blocks so you can ultimately focus on what is unique to your business. Because yeah, so many businesses, it's like, should you really be like, I have this debate all the time internally. 
like, yes, we're a training business, uh, but like, does that mean we necessarily have to build our own LMS and like all these other things? It's like not necessarily. The unique part is actually the training. It's not so much like all the other interworking parts. It is important, no doubt. But yeah, um, totally. what is the the eighty twenty there? Exactly, totally. And that is what we we actually had a really rigid platform we thought of originally. And we we launched with like being afraid that people are not going to like it. But actually, to our surprise, people just loved it because they had really quite some custom limitations. But at the same time, it was customizable enough to fit and build custom apps for them to fit their needs. And that's what really clicked. And then we realized it's actually much more difficult when you give people all the options, right? And then it's much worse. They can't choose what they want to do and it's becoming difficult, etc. So rather give them only the most necessary parts and then let the platform do the rest and yeah. build everything that's not essential and that has to be built already in the platform. Yeah, it's such a fine balance. Like we debate this internally at Product We use like Notion uh, internally for like our wiki as well as project management and application. I'm like, oh man, like Notion is so powerful. It can do so many things. And then I'm also like... <laughs> But that's the problem sometimes too. Because I'm like, sometimes those limitations are definitely freeing for sure when not everyone can like tweak and edit, uh, you know, a workflow or something like that. So I totally hear that part. Now we know the beginning of your story uh, with Softer. And now can you tell us like, okay, so you have this idea, you started here, you wanted to build the building blocks of the internet that people could easily do. Anyone could do it. It was easier than some of the other competitors. And you wanted to be able to allow people to create these dynamic sites. So you had that. What was kind of the next steps for you in order to get to where you are now? Like if you were to say like with the next phase, uh, was it just building the product? Like what did you do to get it into people's hands? Let's hear that part. Yeah. So I guess the first part was just really building it out. So yeah. we had the idea and we we kind of needed to test it out. And really the very first version, which was not even a minimum lovable product, but it was really bare, minimum viable product, which was really clunky, really bad design and everything. And we actually built that and launched the very first version in Product Hand just as a website builder. So as you can imagine, every other web app, which has memberships, payments, et cetera, all that basically is also consists of a website, right? Um, yep. Public pages. And then you can add up on top of that. So we just launched software as a website builder just to test out the concept that we have in mind, the building blocks, et cetera. And then that's where we realized by talking to people and just getting their feedback that it actually really sticks and people really love it. And then we continued iterating on that. So we really then continued, uh, focused more on Airtable at that moment as a database because that also proved to be extremely simple, easy to use for people. And they do not want to create their entire database. You know, most of the time they also do not know what the database is. And then we just added on top all this uh, more powerful functionality to actually create, make it as a web app functionality like memberships, payments, crowd operations. So people can now update, create interactive applications, interact with the data. So log in with different user groups, see a completely different types of information and types of pages, etc. And that is what really the next phase of development was. When did you decide like, hey, this is the minimum lovable product? And I love that way of describing it too, by the way. <laughs> it actually wasn't the minimum lovable. It was the minimum oh, no. viable beer. Right. <laughs> <laughs> the first one when we launched. And then yeah. um, 
like I think so far, even now, by now, we don't have a minimal lovable product. <laughs> maybe, <laughs> maybe I'm wrong because we have now almost 50,000 users. But, but you mentioned but something fun- like people were you were really using it. They were actively using it. So like that to me shows like, okay, people are seriously getting value from this or like they see the potential of this. So that to me shows like you you got some fit there for sure. So when was that? Like you did that launch and then you found there like, oh, like people are coming back to this thing. Like this is sticky or was it something else where you found like, okay, this is great. Like let's keep plowing down this path. Yeah, I think the answer is we just started charging from day one. Yes. <laughs> While it was not a product that a lot of people would pay, but we actually started charging to really validate also if people were to get the value, then we believe they would pay for it. While it was comparably even with some from some of the other competitors, it was actually much more expensive. Right. And then we realized there is actually people paying. And then when we started talking to those customers, et cetera, then it's also when we understood why are they paying, right? Why are they paying specifically for that ease of use? They're ready to pay a bit more even, but just to have that ease of use and how quick they can make a website instead of spending months with a WordPress developer to build something for them or even a week. Yeah, so that's kind of the first validation we had. And then we moved on from there. So why did you decide from like the early stages to charge for it? <laughs> because I mean, yeah. there is some like venture-backed companies where are like, no, just like pursue user growth. And we've had like the founder and CEO of like Code Academy on here and like, they didn't monetize for, I think it was like the first three or five years. I was like, that's crazy. But <laughs> let's, yeah, let's I know it's, it's pretty typical these days. And I also, yeah. I see lots of companies for sure. I mean, for this type of product, like in comparison, we can look at, Maybe Shopify is a similar product, yep. even like less complex, I would say, compared to the functionality it offered at the time. And they just spent two years building. So uh, our thinking was that, you know, just really to validate the real need and the value that customers get, the end goal is they would pay, right? If they pay, then that already means it doesn't mean how often they use, how good they retain, etc. But I mean, it, it does matter, obviously, but then the payment is kind of the end result, right? For any product, if people are paying, that essentially means they open their uh, pocket and they are ready to pay you, which means they do get the value. So that just was really the easiest way for us to validate. Also, at the time, we weren't really venture-backed. We were just strapping people and we really wanted to, for ourselves, to prove that we have actually built something that people value and they yeah. pay money. No, no, I, I totally buy it. <laughs> And yeah, I think it just like proves like, okay, you're solving that valuable real problem that's worth like giving money away to you so you can actually build a sustainable business early on, which is which is awesome you can validate that so early. Okay, so you started charging for it. And now uh, what was the, the next phase? So you had a product that you went from the idea stage all the way to building it out. You then validated that, okay, people are willing to pay for this minimum viable product. Now, what was like the next phase for you in the business? Yeah, the next phase is, was really still building out, completing the product as we imagined it, because at the time it wasn't yet a web app builder. So it took another six months or so just to build out that functionality. And that's when last April, we launched the very first version of software as a web application builder. And at the time we already offered some basic web app functionality. People could build apps where you could log in, yeah, add some payments and have different gated content, etc. Still very basic. But at the time we essentially, one of the important things that we started doing was well, first we noticed there is this huge passionate 
group of people that really love the product and really keep talking about it in social, etc. So early on, we focused very much on building out community. I mean, honestly, like community also was pretty new for us. We didn't know, you know, what's community, how to build it, etc. etc. So essentially what we did, we just really engaged with those people, spoke to them regularly, and were also very present in communities. We're really engaging with people, helping them out, providing value. And over time, so now if you ask me, how did you get from zero to 45 users, 45K users? And that's all with organically with zero dollars in marketing. And that has all been, I'd say, because of three main reasons. First is really the community, the passionate community around software. Second is the simple product, simplicity, uh, while still having a powerful product. So, however, having really simple way to build something. And then a word of mouth virality. So early on as well, what we did was having a viral component, like a growth loop on the product where people would build something with software on the free version. They would have this badge right now. You will see also on our website, which said made with software. And what happened as a result, because our product is free, is quite horizontal. So a lot of people can build different types of apps. And a lot of people also build free products and we also give away custom domain of the free version just because we want to give out value for customers to just try out and build and launch their products. So lots of people are now building products, launching on product hunt, becoming number one product of the day, selling their products that they created, etc. All helping us as well to grow as a company, as a product and through virality and word of mouth. So really from early days, like the main focus being on just being building the right product, listening to customers and being part of the community, I think has been one of the core aspects of really our growth. And so I want to yes. dig into each of those areas. So like, so I'll reiterate too. So the three kind of ways you got the 45,000 users, one, leaning into community, two, just having a simple but powerful product. And three, just having word of mouth virality are really working for your business. So for the first one, community, how did you foster it? How did you create it? How did you build it, expand it and grow it to what it is right now? Yeah. So for the community side of things, we essentially were part of, like early on, we figured out there is actually this really passionate group of people on Twitter, especially yes. where they, they talk about knockout all day long. And what they do is really build products and building public and build products within this community, which if you look from outside is a really close and small community, but they are very passionate and they're very helpful. So that's where we also kind of dive into the pro community, became part of the community, started being helpful and really also just shared what we are working on, what we are building and kept iterating with these like people who also became our customers. So those people were really our early customers. And uh, we just talked to them regularly and tried to understand what is missing for them in the no-code space. So, I mean, from there on, we have launched our Slack group. Now we have 1,500 plus people very actively engaging, helping out each other in the group, etc. And yet, yeah, we don't even yet have a community person. <laughs> we, yeah. we are hiring Everyone, maybe good chance to shout out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but um, yeah, that's essentially it. Okay, so I got three steps here for building community. One, find where these people find are your tribe. hanging out. Find your tribe. Yes. It, it, it's funny that we were actually part of that tribe as well. So if you were yes. to do insurance type of product, probably we wouldn't be fitting naturally, but it happened that just we ourselves fitted in that tribe naturally. And I think that's a really important dynamic too, like uh, being a founder too. Like 
I remember before Product Lead, like this business actually started out in a lab. It was like this SEO A-B testing product. And like I was doing all this like research and I was like, man, I didn't say the word try, but I was like, this research feels tough. <laughs> I don't really like <laughs> jive with these people that well. And so like the founder product market fit, like that's actually really an important yeah. dynamic too. Yeah. You got to love the people that you help. And yeah, so find your tribe. That's the first part. Love it. Uh, become part of the community, be helpful, provide a ton of value for these people. Can you share like some of the ways that you did that? Because like, obviously the people are going to think like, oh, okay, like people had a question, you helped respond to it. But like, was there anything else beyond that that you were able to do to really provide that level of service and really like differentiate yourself? Because I know a ton of people abuse this where it's like, they'll join a community and they think, be helpful. Okay, how can it be helpful? Like sign up for my product today, boom. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like wrong. Okay, so like take us through the the strategy there. Yeah, I'm thinking we actually have have had a really strong strategy. <laughs> I would be lying if I said that's yes, okay. But, it can um, be totally <laughs> organic too, as far as like just what you have done. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So we have, I mean, from day one, honestly, when we launched, we have gotten lots of customer requests. So our customer support chat has been open from day one. So until now, I think one of the things that the community really loves software for is they know they will get an answer if they have any questions or they face roadblocks. So that has been there from day one. So it has really stand out and people keep repeating that. And then also, I think like one way that we, for example, try to share our learnings was when we launched on Product Hunt, we became number one. And then we kind of created a guide around how to launch on Product Hunt, best practices, et cetera, from our own learnings and share that with the community as well. One other way is just to, to engage and share with them as well is, you know, we also have been regularly keeping all of our subscribers and audience updated up to date of what's happening with software, all of the product updates, but also more importantly, just sharing for all of the people that have built something and have been uh, using software. So we regularly will promote their, you know, their builds, will help them find also we have lots of, you know, no code experts, for example, software experts. We will have a page, like for example, we have a page right now in our website where that's just dedicated to listing out all these people who are building with software. So we also essentially help them find new leads and new projects. And yeah, these types of kind of different ways of really just empowering the community around us, especially right now that we have a bigger community, really just creating the ecosystem and the place for them to thrive, if you can call it this way. No, I love to that. build here and to engage in the Slack, to really promote their projects, to really help them out along the journey, and also to ha- always have a hand for them when they have any questions or roadblocks. Yeah. What would you say is like success for your user, typical user? We have so many types of users. So <laughs> like, <it's> typical... <laughs> maybe generalize it. So like, let's yeah. say... Someone signs up for software and like, what is like your team's, I guess, goal for like that first 30 days? What does that mm-hmm. success look like for them? Yeah, I think it's not even 30 days. Within the first week, people typically upgrade. <laughs> um, yes. So I think the most successful, probably like the clue for us, whether they are successful or not, is just seeing them build something and transforming their data into a visual and interactive application, which then they can publish to their clients or colleagues or people in their audience and then see them signing up and using the app. So that's essentially the end goal. 
where they feel like they they have superpowers. They have now built something that others are using. That's kind of their superpowers then become the goal for us as well, because then they realize they get the value and then we realize we have a successful customer. So the reason that I wanted to ask you that is because like I want everyone else who's listening to think about this. You've done something really, really well here that I wanted to, to come back to, which is just you're dead set on end user success. Like you want your users to be super successful. I, I can see it's completely genuine, but there's also the steps you've taken to make it easier for people to have those superpowers. One of them you mentioned is creating those guides. So like, hey, like there's onboarding within your product, but then there's also just like, hey, there's a lot of things beyond the product too that you got to consider like for creating that a new product like what else do you need to be successful uh launching your builds and really seeing success maybe it's uh you know what once it's done it's like how to launch successfully on product hunt or something like i don't know like there's the full picture that you can provide that level of support around the other thing too is like promoting those new builds um that's really really great like you are showcasing end user success like this is the uh basically the behavior you want everyone to mimic and so that's why you do it it's like it's really just reinforcing like this is why we do what we do it's because you're going to become successful um and then i guess beyond that too you mentioned us from the community component listening to you know where are the gaps in the market what could be done to improve the products and just really keeping those ears uh, down to those uh, that tribe to really learn from them and improve the product based on that. So we got the second part of how I got to zero to 45,000 users in 12 months. You built a simple but powerful product. So can you take us through like how to do that? Because it sounds great. <laughs> Very simple. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I can guarantee it's not simple, especially as you grow the product and you add more and more into it. I think what really has been like game changer for us, well, not game changer, but really the main focus that really helped us along the way was being very mindful of anything we add to the platform. We have been very mindful of, does this add additional complexity for the end user? And any new functionality, because as you can imagine, right, adding an authentication for engineers takes maybe a month of engineering effort just to write, build it from scratch. In software, it's literally just one click of a button and you drag and drop a building block. You can publish your app. That's the sign-up block. And then your users can immediately start signing up. So essentially, any new functionality that we introduce, we try to kind of deconstruct and look from an average user perspective and abstract away all of the technicalities behind that building block, which essentially comes in pre-built, all of the business logic and the functionality. You can still change it, the design, et cetera, but then really um, most of the things are already done for you. So that part is really the biggest challenge if you ask me in this type of product is actually really the product itself. How do you translate these really technical concepts into something that's extremely easy to use it with a button click and the user doesn't have to you know, learn how technology works or how to design things? That has been really the main kind of focus for us. Today's episode is brought to you by productled.com. Is the founder of the business. It is our mission at Product Led to help you build a world-class product-led business. That is honestly what gets me excited. I want to help you. And that's one of the reasons why we are so committed to providing you a ton of free resources like this podcast to arm you with all the tools, strategies, and tactics you need to build and grow a successful product-led business. 
but sometimes just listening to podcasts, reading articles and talking to colleagues about product-led growth doesn't quite cut it. It feels like you're just learning a bunch of random tactics that don't quite add up to a holistic strategy. Now, if you can relate, I'd highly recommend checking out our upcoming product-led growth program. In this program, we will actually help you master product-led growth, understand the holistic strategy behind it, and ultimately help you create a product experience that leaves your users wanting to come back for more and we will give you all the tools, templates, and feedback you need to make it happen. So if that's interesting to you, you can learn more and register at productled.com. And now let's get back to the episode. And I guess on the flip side of that, so you've like identified the complexity and friction. Like, does this add additional complexity or friction? That's a great question to ask because it's like, okay, yeah, we don't want to make more things complicated. But how do you kind of balance that with the flip side of like, okay, uh, the whole point of like building a simple but powerful product is you got to have something that's, yes, still simple, but powerful. So there could be a lot of building blocks that you build, uh, but not all were kind of created equal as far as like, oh, this is simple, but like, it's just a text thing. <laughs> like It's important and we got to have this, but like something like that authenticator is like, hey, this is uh, very complicated, but we can make it simple and it provides a ton of value because now people are able to get like, you know, let's say 10% more signups with this versus just a form because it's easier to sign up for their product. So how do you kind of balance the upside of this of like, hey, this is going to bring a ton of benefit for this user? You mean the upside of really understanding which types of blocks to build in? Yeah, for sure. The product? Yeah. So generally our product building, uh, of course, I mean, there is the strategic part of where we want to take the product. One of which is really also from the early days, what has been really a game changer as well is really making sure that for us understanding, where do we want to have this balance of just enough customizability and the right kind of golden middle of enough customizability plus flexibility and constraints. Because if you let people do everything, then it's becoming too complex and too complicated for them to change things. They can break things very easily. And at the same time, we introduced anything we introduce, we have quite some level of restrictions. And the reason being that this just lets people be fast, be really quick in building and not break things. Everything they build with software is also automatically responsive and works well in tablet and mobile. So that's kind of the key principle we have used everywhere in the product. And in terms of what features to build, what blocks to really focus on, again, core of the features and core of the product functionality has really come from the users as well, from the customers. So we like we have like weekly we, we talk to tens of customers and this is like precisely even more than tens of customers and we just hear them what they're building what types of products they're building etc. So then we really like have to decide as you know like it's a it's a very horizontal platform the biggest challenge with that is you can have any type of use case and any type of customer right so the main key point as well is how do you focus where do you focus on what specifically you choose to focus on so we just identified what use cases and what types of customers are the most successful. Successful meaning long-term successful, they get the most value out of software, they'll retain better, etc. And then as a company, our, well, it doesn't mean we are not supporting all the other users, the platform is there for them to use, etc. But our main focus in terms of building features is just understanding what these customers really need and that's becoming the highest priority compared to everything else. 
So yeah, then picking, so coming up with all of this list of features. Well, essentially we have we have a product, internal product built with software, which is used to gather all of the customer feedback. So actually we have a public roadmap that people can submit their feature requests on. And then we have customer support channel. We have several other channels as well, Slack community, et cetera. So all of these features are gathered in one place in a software app. And then we just prioritize them and decide what goes next based on all of these different criteria of who do we want our core customer to really be and who do we want, which use cases we want to focus on for now. But end goal being really, hopefully, we get to a point where the product is still simple, but can support most of the core use cases. There's two things I want to dig into there. So like, how do you decide what to restrict? Because like, there is a lot of powerful things you could do in software, but then there's also the balance of like, well, yeah, people could do that. But you know what? That might just make things a bit more complicated for that beginner to learn and pick up. Uh, whereas the advanced user, yeah, that, that might actually be better for them, but it's not for everyone kind of thing. So how do you you balance that? Because yeah, like you said, it's a horizontal app. You could do any number of things with it and monetize it in any different number of ways. Mm-hmm. So it, it's kind of a fine balance. Yeah, that's a very good question. And I guess it comes back to probably two things, just really understanding what customers value, how much they want to customize, right? What are they building in the first place? Depending on that, you will see lots of different expectations. If someone is building a B2C facing a website, for example, interactive, like with animations, et cetera, that's something that they can't do so in software. So there's some limitations as well that will not let some of the use cases to be built. And then on the other hand, there is people who want to build really powerful apps, but they don't care about design. So we have to find a middle ground where both sides would be happy. And there is the typically when like what we understood from most of the customers and the average person that is not technical and is not a designer, they do value the design aspect, the branding, the customizability, but they are not experts as well to take that to the next level and to do really like the detailed pixel by pixel level changes. So it's kind of intuition plus really understanding the customers and what types of things they're trying to build. Okay. And I guess for the weekly meetings with users, how do you typically structure those? What's mostly covered in those kind of meetings? Because I love the idea of having that like constant thread and also who on your team is really in those specific meetings to get the most out of it. Everyone. (laughs) (laughs) Everyone, awesome. Almost everyone. Really really changing from one to the other. But yeah, almost everyone in product growth, design, and yeah, engineering to some extent as well, and customer support to some extent as well. Yeah, so what do we cover? We really focus on, because those meetings are especially for customers to really help them with their onboarding. And they're being typically, they book these meetings when they start trial or start uh, become a paid customer, et cetera. And in that case, it's really helping them to onboard and to help answer any questions that they may have. Of course, on the on that journey, we also learn about their use case. We also learn about the things that they are missing or things that are more important for them. But it's really mostly focused on how can I help you be successful with your product? Is there anything you're missing? Is there anything that uh, is not working for you? Maybe we can help support you, connect to an expert, or really just fix something in the product that's not working well. And that has been a huge source for us to learn about all of these customers, their needs, et cetera, and also what they're really missing in the product. And like how many users or customers, I guess, would you have in these specific meetings? How many users do you mean per week or in one meeting? 
I guess, in one of those meetings uh, weekly? Okay. No, at the moment, it's actually individual on one-on-one. So every, oh, okay. every customer can book an onboarding or a yeah. call with us. And yeah, we take it one by one right now. It's not okay. like a group call. We do plan to do those as well, like Q&A sessions, build sessions, etc. And we have done with some of the communities. Yeah, actually, that's something I forgot to mention in the beginning. Yes. One of the ways that we also engage with communities is really just jumping in and helping run build sessions sessions with helping them realize what they can build with software, etc. Those has been really useful as well. And yeah, right now, this is more more individual-based. And then I guess for that meeting with product growth and design, and that's just going through like the reiteration of like those one-on-one calls of like, hey, here's like the problems we've been identifying and like, here's what's not working, what is kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. So we typically have all the notes and then we take that as a source of all of the planning for next quarter as well alongside. So typically this also it gets repeated from us, our, our customer support channel, from all of yep. the other channels that we get. There is lots of patterns that start emerging as soon as you really get into all of these conversations and talk to people regularly. Uh, but yeah, exactly. Like we take all the notes and take all of that back into product. And now it sounds like from the outside, like you have built a pretty amazing like way of synthesizing a lot of that customer research which comes through like the one-on-ones, uh, there's the customer support, there's like doing your own research. So could you take us like quickly through like, how do you structure that customer research process? Because you've definitely been doing a great job at like understanding the needs of your users and how to really help them. And so curious if you could just break that down and how you do it, how it all kind of works on the back end. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we haven't been applying science yet. <laughs> so we have really been <laughs> we have really been again in the meetings, it's, it's mostly focused on two main things. Us understanding really the needs of the customers, what they're building and how we can best support them. Do they need just answer of their question? Do they just need a hand holding to build something? Or sometimes they just book the call to come in and say how happy and amazed they are to, to find out about software to build their app, which is which is funny. We have also some recordings where, where people just book a call with us to tell us how, how much they like software. <laughs> and that makes, makes our day. But yeah, so the second part is then really, especially the like biggest portion of that meeting is dedicated to really helping them out. Like sometimes on the fly, I think you will see like you you had something similar with while you were trying software and, and you will see that kind of hands-on. So just really helping out people build something or answer the question while they're building. And if they needed this additional support to figure out who they can connect as the next step, or also if they want to learn what is going going to come next, what product features are you going to do? Like how can they rely on using software long-term? What's the trajectory of the product in the future, et cetera, et cetera. Okay. And I guess, do you use any specific tools to like kind of gather all that info together to make better decisions? Notion. Notion, yes. <laughs> Notion and software. Yeah. Both. Notion, Airtable and software. Yeah, our favorite ones. And so we've touched on two out of the three ways of you building your community. There was one, leaning into community. Two, build a simple but powerful product. Uh, now, the last one was about word of mouth and virality. So like you've talked about... Okay, when people are on the free plan, there is the like made by software and people could easily see that, click on it, find out about it. So tell us about like how you have built that word of mouth uh, virality engine and like what went into it and some of the the other parts that's uh, made that a big contributing part to getting to 45,000 users this year. 
Yeah, I think that's the beautiful thing of the word of mouth, right? You, you, you don't really plan it. Yeah. <laughs> you, don't really, you don't really create it like artificially. I like saying, which uh, sometimes is funny, but I like saying we really have just built a product, right? We have focused on what to build, what's the most important in the product, make it really easy. And then people value that, like once they value that and they feel like as well, within 30 minutes, they now have an up and running. And prior to that, they spent six months working with a WordPress developer or someone as, as an engineer to build a product and they were unsuccessful. That just feels like magic to them. And they really like to share their creation, right? They like to talk about it. They like to share it in the communities in social and with their colleagues as well to showcase what they have done <laughs> within 30 minutes or with even a day. And that's really yeah, what creates the word of mod around, around the product. Some other yeah. things, of course, we have also spent some oh, time gonna... on is, yeah. is really building some helpful tutorials and articles, et cetera, around you know, some of the topics that are near software's kind of product around no-code, around Airtable software, web app building in general. Plus one thing we have also done uh, that helped us uh, quite a bit is really building also some helpful tools, like tools which are not necessarily directly connected to the product, but additional free tools that people can use, for example, to generate some nice illustrations or some backgrounds, etc. And those have been really useful to, for the creators, especially for the community, to just use those in their applications as a result. And that also helps shows to be pretty helpful in people finding out also through SEO content and all of that uh, good stuff, but then also just really using that in their products. And was there anything like within the products that you did to really foster that virality? Yeah, I mean, we have done a bit, to be honest, not yet really optimized well. So actually, <laughs> because it's just not even a year we have launched, we have yep. really been extremely focused on building out the features because... If you talk to customers, there's so many things missing and some of the more important core functionality for people to really successfully build out their app is still building. So it's not even a year that the features just being built. So we haven't spent too much time on really optimizing the product and the steps, like adding things like sharing with the world or inviting collaborators, etc. We have some of those, but really at the basic level. So you could still add collaborators, team members to work on the product with yourself and you can share what you build with having the custom domain, but there's not really much around that. I would be lying if I said, you know, we have embedded some core functionality that just helps the virality in the product has been mainly through badge and really us giving, giving also the custom domain away for people to fully build out their app on the free domain, which is actually something that none of the competitors or none of the other knockout platforms do which uh, we decided explicitly to do because we believe this brings lots of value to our customers. Awesome. So I want to reiterate for like building word of mouth virality, here's some of the things that you did. I put like this one liner, a fun way to summarize it. One, build a great product and make them feel like a magician. <laughs> That's right. If you do that, you, people are going to share that stuff uh, because everyone wants to be the magician. They're like, how do you do that? I think that's honestly like what you're you're really doing here is you're creating like, I, I mean, I see the same thing with like Canva. It's like, okay, so like Canva, like I'm not that good at design, but like, okay, I can design something that looks nice and people are going to think I'm a designer, but I'm not. Uh, yeah. So I'm the magician. Uh, same and, thing here. And the, like, fun, the fun part, yeah. uh, actually people, our customers call us the Canva of web apps. So. Yes, I love that. <laughs> and what's great is it's not a static image. It's dynamic. 
<laughs> even more powerful. <laughs> and uh, then you had a couple other things here, like one, uh, building like helpful articles and really like promoting the whole like no code space around it, building the industry up around it, and then uh, creating those free tools to just support creators in their own ways. Now, the last question I know I have could keep going forever, but like, uh, I'm curious about this one. Like, how do you decide what to give away for free? You talked about like the custom domain as something where it's like, hey, this is something that no one else is doing. Uh, so it definitely stands out on its own. People like, I mean, <laughs> with like Wix and stuff like that, it's like, all right, I'm going to share my URL. It's like Wix sets 1,199 plus like whatever else you put in your sign up for like experience. It's this nasty, nasty, nasty URL. No one can share it really or like feel proud of sharing it. <laughs> and so I'm um, curious, like, how do you decide what to give away for free? Yeah, I think even what we have right now, we're not giving away that much because there is quite some features that are right now hidden in the in the plans that uh, require you to at least be on a free trial. So we do believe that actually we have to give away the products, almost all the functionality features for people to try out and really build out the app and be able to share with the world because that's how they will see the value. That's how they essentially will be able to get users, get excited, and then grow as their company or the usage or their need for additional features grows, right? So that's kind of the core approach we have taken. And with custom domain, I mean, we have done it as an experiment. We just really wanted to try how it works and if that really makes any difference. And we realized it does for a lot of, especially the creator entrepreneur type community, you know, which are not necessarily the people moving upwards in the ladder, but they are the ones really like helping and really empowering the community, really talking about what they build, being in social, etc. So they really have been acting as the growth engine for then all of the other users to find out about software. So that was an experiment we tried and really just evaluated the results. And also on our end, it didn't cost much for us. So yeah, we decided to leave that. With everything else, right now we're actually restructuring our pricing a bit. So to bring a lot more functionality to the front on the premium tier so people can actually experience the full functionality because there is quite some powerful stuff that right now we are not letting people to try on the free version, which I think is really limiting the growth that we could have because then people, once people see that adding a membership is just one click of a button instead of you know spending a week on setting up entire workflows, that will make a huge difference. And one other way as well to just uh, maybe to add to the previous question as well is one thing that we are really building around software very kind of intentionally is not just a no-cost tool, but really building an entire ecosystem around software to help all of these people, creators, developers, everyone really be able to participate and be part of the community and the ecosystem. So essentially right now, this is one of the things that we also did was experts that we launched the experts program where we empowered those people who are creating stuff with software. They now have been building stuff, selling their businesses sometimes, selling all of their templates that they created with software, et cetera, and creating businesses for their own on software. So that is kind of another way, another flywheel and another kind of growth loop we, we have as part of the ecosystem that really helps feed into the ecosystem from all of our users all of their uh, created apps and it fits into the ecosystem and then becomes really like a flywheel. 
awesome. Love how you're thinking about the flywheels, building the ecosystems, everything beyond the product. Because like that is, yeah, there's the product that's like the, the step, the ticket to the dance. But then to get beyond that, it's like, okay, like what else do you need to be successful? And yeah, there is a ton of other things like, okay, these people, your best advocates in the community, that tribe, how can you better empower them? How can you make them like this, like a complete career change for them? Maybe like they might be doing exactly. all these other careers, but you know, that's just what they're doing to, to make money. But then they find this, this is their passion. And they're like, oh, I could like do this full time or even on the side, like this is amazing. So I love how you're thinking about like, how do we really empower people? Not just like, okay, you're creating the product and creating a new business out of it, but everyone else who supports that mission um, because it's all really critical to really help people at the end of the day. So um, this has been fantastic. I'm going to recap the three things you did to get from zero to 45,000 users. One, it was all about community. To build that community, uh, you did a few things. A lot more than a few things, but a few things we caught on record. <laughs> so one is like, find your tribe. Uh, that's the biggest thing. You also need to uh, become a part of that community. Be as helpful as you can. And then three, like find what's missing. Like what really frustrates these people that you could really help them, listen to them and actually provide those solutions. And four, really empower them in whatever way you can, whether that's promoting their stuff, helping them out, go to bat for them. And then for two, like creating that simple product that is powerful. Uh, You did some really great things. Just asking that question, which is really simple, was like, is this uh, adding additional friction or complexity? Um, That's a really great filter for anything on your roadmap. (laughs) Yeah, <laughs> more people could benefit from asking themselves that question. And then there was your uh, research process of really just understanding the needs of your top customers. Like which ones are you going to focus in on? Especially if you have a horizontal app, you can do so many things with it. Uh, find who are your best customers, listen to them, whether that's the one-on-one calls, talk about it, discuss it uh, with your product growth and design teams. And then the last one for your word of mouth virality if you could sum it up, it's really just build a great product and make them feel like the magician. That's where I'll end on that part. Now, is there anything else on this topic or even just if you were to go back at the beginning of the year that you tell yourself like, hey, I would do this differently. Any other advice you leave for our audience? Yeah, thank you for summarizing. That was awesome. I could have done a better job. And yeah, I think one, maybe one other thing just around the ecosystem as well that we are really focused on is building a knockout platform, just a platform that's completely data agnostic that can really kind of be used as a go-to tool for anyone, whether it's externally for individuals, for their lives, or internally within companies for tools for their business to be used to build custom apps. Because right now at this era, we believe that the tools have to be adapted uh, to the workflows and the ways people work compared to previously where you have the rigid tools that, that just are created to the specific job that they are good at and really just empowering anyone in the world to be able to create custom apps and create software. And yeah, we have a big goal ahead of us. Uh, We want to reach by, we want to have 1 million apps created on software by 2025. So (laughs) hopefully that's something in the journey that we can, uh, we can share with you as well and everyone. And yeah, let's see how that goes. Awesome. So if you found value, you know, you got to help them hit the goal of 1 million apps or sign up. <laughs> so 
Software.io. Awesome. So thank you so much, Mary, for coming on. This has been a blast and can't wait to share this with everyone. Thank you, Wes. It's great to be here and great to chat. Thank you for listening to the Product-Led Podcast. If you found this episode helpful, please share it with a colleague or friends you know who might benefit. We are always looking at which episodes get the most listens so we know which content to create more of. So if you want more of this particular type of content or style of episode, please share it out. And in return, here's your selfish reason to do this. Uh, We will definitely create more content just like this episode. (laughs) And if that's not your style, please leave us a review wherever you listen to podcasts and tell us your favorite part about this podcast. I personally read every single one of these reviews and it gives me more ideas on what content we should do more of. Happy growing.